0: Hey guys, this is the Indie Mayhem Show. I'm Mike Sorg at Sargatron on the Twitter. This is the show we talk with people in and around independent professional wrestling, as we have been doing for a good long time. Please, of course, follow WrestlingMayhemShow.com. That's where you can find this and so many other fine wrestling podcasts. And as well as IndieWrestling.us, where this is also featured. And you can also see a lot of people that we've had on past episodes featured on there, on VOD, on DVD, on, on the Indie Wrestling Network, however you may do it. And and, and, and tonight, tonight I got... So this isn't a promotion on the network but this is somebody that we've had to work with uh um uh recently and on the production side of things live on Fight TV. Uh if you follow me on Twitter, I know you've you've seen you've seen the images, you've seen the crazy stuff going on out there in Chicago of all places. It was a it was a fun drive 3 weeks going out there uh, uh from here in Pittsburgh. But uh it was a lot of fun and I'm so fortunate to have the promoter of Warrior Wrestling on the line right now, Steve Tortolello. Again, you know, I I had the fortune, um, again hooked up for the great Mike Moran, uh, another great production guy uh, that I've worked with over the years in wrestling, boxing. He does all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but I got the name with you guys, and, and it was such a great experience. And thank you so much for coming on the show because I, I want to learn more about you guys. Because just a little bit of working with you and hearing l- like little bits of what you guys have been doing and seeing it in action, and, and I, I want to have a longer conversation with you. That's not around. We got to get the show going. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or Oh, no, the mic is hot. What do we, what do we have to Oh, enjoy? no.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch what we're saying. Now we can get the real story. So first of all, a little icebreaker. Um, before we get into the promotion and everything, you, of course, uh, you know, we talked a little bit like, you know, have your you're, you're not here if you don't love it. Right. So what, what is your earliest memory of uh, professional wrestling?
1: Wow. Um, so I have two. So I'm born in eighty five. Mm-hmm. and i as a 4 or 5 6 year old was of course like every good red blooded american kid was a hulkamaniac and i remember a couple of things i remember um whenever yoko was yoko was earthquake excuse me it was earthquake broke hogan's back yes and i remember watching that as like a 5 year old and like i thought about that throughout my day like i'd be at kindergarten and your know, first grade and i'd be like can't believe he broke Hogan's back. Um, so I remember that vividly staying with me from watching it on Saturday morning. And then I also remember, so my dad, when I was very little, my dad broke his arm. He's okay, but he broke his arm and he had his arm in a big cast. And myself and my friends, just thought, like, my dad is Cowboy Bob Orton, right? Like, my dad can (laughs) knock people out with his cast, and, like, he should never get the cast taken off. Mm -hmm. So those two things stand out to me as the earliest thing I can recall in wrestling.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, A fun fact, I do believe my wife did send Get Well cards, a Get Well card to Hulk Hogan when he was uh, in the hospital with Earthquake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was that was the best time. That was that's that that was peak. That was peak for my growing up.
1: (laughs) Yes, it was. It was magical. And I had, of course, as everybody else had, I had every action figure. I had the wrestling buddies. Mm -hmm. I had all three. You know, they had the Hogan body slam action figure, Mm -hmm. the Hogan uh, uh, flexing action figure. And there Mm -hmm. was a punching Hogan. You know, I had Jake the Snake. I had everybody. You know, I'd have the ring out in the basement. With the entire WWE roster, WWF roster all around, and I'd have tournaments and Royal Rumbles and all of that.
0: That's awesome. So, so going from there, so you grew up around this and everything, and I know you've you've had uh, you've dipped your toe into professional wrestling one way or another over the years before warrior wrestling. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, where did you like you you had a love for? Like, how were you kind of dipping into that?
1: Great question. So I, so I got out of it a little bit in the nineties and I came back with hell in a cell in 98. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddies who I teased mercilessly for loving wrestling sat me down one day in summer of 98 and they're like, you're watching this tape. And then of course it was like, you know, Paul falling off of his horse or Saul falling off his horse becoming Paul. And then he sees Jesus in the sun. Like it was this <laughs> moment of like, Oh my God, wrestling is the coolest thing in the world. So starting from 98 on, I was back in. Um, in college, I actually wrote my honors thesis in American studies. I was an American studies major on the history of pro wrestling from world war II to the present. And so (laughs) I just did tons of research. Yeah, it was amazing. It was so much fun to work on. Um, I went to tons of indie shows in college. So I saw, you know, a very young CM punk in the high school gym three blocks from my parents' house. Um, and, and so as far as getting into the business after college, after I wrote my, um, my thesis i actually long story but I, I was able to apply for a position in wwe i did not get it but i interviewed for a creative writing position in wwe and then i ended up out in los angeles where i was doing a volunteer teaching program and there i trained in wrestling at Mach one pro wrestling in anaheim i went to pwg all the time um, i was just trying to get around it as much as possible and i moved back to the chicago area in 2010 And really, just went to indie wrestling, went to see as much as I could, absorbed as much as I could. And in 2017, I was um, had been devoid of a creative project. I'm a creative type. I've run uh, improv and sketch comedy troupes. I've I've done a whole bunch of different creative things throughout my life. And I was looking for the next thing. And I just I said, you know what? I gotta get into in some way, shape, or form. Helping to produce indie wrestling, so the fall of seventeen, that seed was planted, and then Warrior Wrestling was born, basically on Christmas of two thousand seventeen, and we had our first show in spring of eighteen. Wow,
0: that's that's amazing, and and, and again, you know, I was amazed because I've heard of Warrior Wrestling, I, I've heard, you know, yeah, see you guys on social media. I, I hear uh, uh, Beastman was showing me a little bit of your stuff a couple months ago from being out there, and I, you know, you know, seeing some of our guys come out there from the Pittsburgh area, and uh, and it was always just like. I, I didn't realize how new you guys were. I was amazed when I showed up there, the first show in September, and you guys said that was your, like your 10th show. And I was like, yeah. this is your 10th show, and 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 uh, you have it this together? <laughs> 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 you know, it, it's like, I know people that have been running 10 years that aren't as organized as you guys.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that greatly. We've got a, a great team of people that work really, really hard. I, I think, honestly, that comes from all of us who are on the team for Warrior have been running some type of production one way or another for 15, 20 years. So even mm-hmm. though we are only 10 shows deep in wrestling, you know I used to book concerts and run concerts in college. Uh, my friends and I, as I mentioned earlier, owned a sketch and improv comedy uh, company. And, and my day job, as we'll touch on in a few minutes, is I'm the principal of the school. So I do nothing but run giant meetings and events <laughs> and coordinate things. So really, uh, we didn't jump into wrestling wet behind the ears. We've done events and organization quite a bit. Yeah. We just applied that to wrestling.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so. So tell me a little bit about the, the germination of this, like how, you know, other than you needed the, the creative project, but you know, again, this is a wrestling show at a Catholic school. It um, has run uh, solely at the, at the Catholic school. And, and this, am, am I, uh, this is also a fundraiser for the school as well.
1: Yep. So uh, proceeds from the shows go to uh, our scholarship fund, basically to help kids afford to go to school. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Excellent. Uh, so, I, I, I've seen the conversations with uh, uh, places trying to run in churches and, and, and uh, Christian schools and whatever in the area here. Um, h- how does how does wrestling go over <laughs> in that conversation there with uh, with uh, the with, with 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 your your crew?
1: You know what, incredibly well, actually, surprisingly, mm-hmm. when we did the first show, we we had a few people in the community who reached out and, you know, what is this, you know, et cetera, because I think their vision of wrestling was 1998 WWF. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It, Sable and, and so you know, cold uh, and, yeah. all of those things. And I think once we were able to show people, no, no, this is a, a family friendly show. It, it's, it's action. It's basically Cirque du Soleil, but in a wrestling ring after the first show, we didn't have any concerns from anybody. It was basically once we showed that this can be done well and done in a way that's accessible for families, um, we were off to the races, but there were definitely some people who doubted a little bit, but, um, you know, my boss at the school took a chance on it and I'm forever grateful.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So, so, so again, looking through your history and, and, and this is the roster, you know, I, I was, I, I never I, Doing the first show, I didn't absorb how many people were on that show that I saw Wednesday night. That I see Tuesday night. You know, uh, uh, people that I've wanted to work re- wanted to work with in the indie wrestling uh, from the start. Was it always a, a, a big name kind of affair? It
1: was. You know, so i'm a real big nerd about this kind of stuff and when i pitched it to my boss how we're going to do this how what we can budget for what we the school would make all Mm -hmm. of these things um, i had a theory very early on that you either need to be very small or very big yeah where independent wrestling shows die is where they're in the middle they spend a middle amount of money on middle draw names and they draw middle to low and then they they end up losing money i think you either need to be very cost efficient and understand that very little money is going to go out, but very little is going to come in or spend enough money to get the big enough draws that you're going to draw enough casual fans that the show will make money. And so our first show is headlined by Alberto Del Rio versus Jack Swagger, uh, in the main event. And it was when both of them were not too far off of their WWE runs. Yeah. And so that's, we shot for the fences. We shot for the moon. And that has kind of been our MO ever since. And we've gotten very lucky in that some guys that we've worked with from the start have now gotten much bigger as we've gone along. So it's funny. People are like, oh my God, you got Brian Cage and Lance Archer and Jeff Cobb. And I'm like, yeah, we've known him for three years now. Like, I just text him like, hey guys, we're going to do a show. You want to jump in? And so- um. It, we got very lucky by getting in on the ground floor with some incredible talents who have since blown up as well.
0: Uh, that that's amazing. And, and even Brian Cage back then, I he, he was probably just coming off a of Lucha Underground, so he at least had a, mm-hmm. a little bit of notoriety, right?
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I had seen him in person in AAW in Chicago or at mm-hmm. PWG mm-hmm. in PWG in California, and. I always thought he was, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we looked at Brian Cage and said, "This guy's a blue chipper. This mm-hmm. guy is like a talent who's about to break through." And we really kind of hitched ourselves to his wagon. And and lucky enough, the horse we bet on paid off.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Versus, yeah, you know, a lot of promotions they kind of build from within, and then and then you know see their guys go off and, and can kind of put that badge on. But you guys had that happen very very quickly with something like that. Um. And, and and also interesting like, like I say it's, it's a mix of aew it's a mix of impact wrestling it's a mix of just independent wrestling stars um what what are you know and and I think what the reputation has to help expand that kind of roster right
1: yeah, you know it's it's interesting we so first of all, all credit to Alberto del Rio, who has since fallen from grace and gotten himself in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. He was a total pro when he was with us, but when he signed on to do our show. Mm -hmm. That opened up the doors for everybody else. I think people who before weren't responding to our emails, all of a sudden when we advertised him, we got responses to to those emails. And then we knew it was very important to stick the landing on the first show, to treat everybody well, to do the best job that we could. And from there that kind of opened it up. So now we are in a very blessed position where we get a lot of indie talent from across the country looking to make a name and looking to step up, reach out to us. And, and, and it, we're very blessed to uh, to have that to now you know, people are knocking on our door. We're still knocking on other people's doors, still trying to get some other talents that we uh, are trying to woo over to us. But um, we're in a very good position where a lot of people want to perform on the platform that we have. And um, we feel very blessed.
0: Talk to me a little bit about the landscape in uh, Chicago wrestling. Uh, obviously, Chicago is if WWE was doing pay-per-view there, it was going to be I knew it was going to be a fun night with the crowd. Uh, again, you mentioned A.A.W. is one promotion I've heard a uh, revolution pro, which I think I heard overheard people talking about working for uh, amongst your crew, um, which I think was Billy Corgan's, uh, I think, first foray into professional wrestling before going on to do the N.W.A. and taking that over. Um, uh, how you know a lot of big stuff happening there uh, uh, on a big stage in Chicago, all in uh, uh, which became AEW Obviously, um, um how was that for? Is, is that an advantage to do a show like this, or did you have to do the show like this to get your head above water to get noticed? Next to that, like how how does that how does that from the outside looking in? That's what appears to me. But but how is that Chicago scene for you over there?
1: That is a great question. I think. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Mm-hmm. We have so many wrestling fans in Chicago that um, that want to see shows. And I think that's an advantage because even if they're going to other local indie promotions – They, there's a subset of several hundred people who would go to wrestling every day if it was in Chicago. And so those diehards, um, you know, they're going to keep spending money and keep jumping to different shows and keep trying to see everything. So it's great to have them, but also we had to differentiate ourselves. And so when we came on the market, our focus was, um, a lot of, on Lucha Libre, Mm-hmm. And a lot on families. We wanted entertainment that was going to be great for families. Whereas in AAW, which is one of the, the big indies here as well, their focus is a lot more brawl-centered. Although, you know, we just did have a, a big brawl, a big Nolan's Bard match. They were more brawl-centered, more um, of the 20-something, 30-something dude in a black t-shirt crowd. Yeah. And ours was more Hispanic family with noisemakers crowd. And so we, we needed to um, – A, we wanted to – attract those fans that come to everything but we also wanted to get families who aren't going to independent wrestling and that was the thing we actually asked this in our first several shows as people bought tickets have you ever gone to independent wrestling before and easily more than half of our crowd had never gone to anything but wwe or a big league really and that's what we want we want family we want people to see how great live wrestling is and so many people that we had in those first several shows didn't know that there was such a thing as independent wrestling until they came and saw it in the gym at Marion. So we want that combination. We want the jaded super fans who are spending three hours a week on IWTV. And we want the family from down the street who decides to take a chance on this wrestling thing and falls in love with it.
0: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, over the years, uh, you know, again, just the, the laundry list of, of, of uh, stars that have been through there. I'm, I'm I'm just looking on your page now, and I'm seeing pictures in one page of uh, current angle uh, uh, Suzuki as at Will Osprey, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just a whole breath of that. Uh, are there any favorites that you've had come in, or interesting, interesting, interesting experience with some of these uh, these these towns that come in through the door?
1: Yeah, you know, I've had nothing but good experiences with people. I'll, I'll highlight a few that really stood out. Mick Foley, when he came oh. to Warrior Wrestling 6. Uncle, uncle a, Mick.
0: Uncle Mick. Uncle Every time Mick. he walks in, I was like, this is everybody's uncle. Now, you're at the comedy show, he walks in and says hi, so it's everybody's uncle. You're immediately comfortable, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. And, and, and not only was he a wonderful human, mm-hmm. but he put so much thought into the segment he did with Frank the Clown. So basically what we did was Frank the Clown had an open hardcore challenge that he was going to fight anybody. And Mick Foley answered the challenge. Obviously, Frank is dating Mick's daughter, Noelle. They had hijinks on the Holy Foley show. But Mick thought so long and in-depth about what he wanted to do with this segment. I would get DMs and texts from Mick Foley like, I need salad tongs on Saturday. Make sure we have this. Make sure we have that. (laughs) And when he got there, he orchestrated this incredible segment where essentially Frank had Foley doppelgangers. He had a Cactus Jack and a Dude Love and a Mankind, and Frank had this whole suit with Noel's pictures. And they they got in this big brawl, and he got the mandible claw, and then Mick was going to light him on fire, and then the <laughs> students broke it up. And it was just uh, until that point, until Warrior Wrestling Six, I had not gotten to watch an entire the entirety of a match in the arena because I was mm. running around doing a hundred things. Yeah. And when that segment came on, I walked through the curtain. I took my headphones off. I turned my radio down and I just watched it. And I was like a kid in a candy store. And I walked back through the curtain and Eric walked up to me, goes, Hey, how'd that go? I went, it was magic. It was just, if, if we don't do another show ever, Mick Foley chose our platform to build this perfect pro wrestling segment. So that was just so rewarding for me as a fan. That was a total fangirl moment for me to just be <laughs> like, "I'm so happy right now." So that's number. That's one. I'll share one more quick story. Will Osprey. So Osprey, we had been on our list forever. In fact, he was supposed to be on Warrior Wrestling Two in 2018, but uh, travel things changed. We never. He was never even advertised, but he was internally supposed to be on the show. Travel changed. He couldn't do the show. I have been a fan of Osprey for forever. I've always thought Osprey was just a walking embodiment of pure talent and and like a a pro wrestling savant. And we wanted Osprey, wanted Osprey, wanted Osprey. Well, finally, in mid-19, mid to late-19, we're going back and forth with Osprey, and he gives me literally one date he can do a show. It was after the New Japan tours for the year ended and before they needed to do promotion for the Tokyo Dome. It was, I think, December 13th or 14th. And Will said, This is the only date I can get from Tokyo to the United States to do a show. I said, Great, we're having a show that day. <laughs> and so we built the whole show because Will Ospreay um, had the date available. And that's the one that Suzuki joined and Angle joined as well. Well, Osprey wow. misses his flight and books himself another flight to get in, because they were all coming in the day before and scrambles his way to get here. And so we, we are killing time the night before with Will Osprey, and me and Eric take him out for pizza at Aurelio's Pizza in Homewood, Illinois, the staple of the south suburbs. And we just spent two hours eating pizza and talking with Will Osprey. And um, he went to the bathroom at some point, and Eric turned to me and said something very, very profound. He goes, he has no idea who he is, meaning, he do- Will Ospreay doesn't realize that he's Will Ospreay. He's just <laughs> such a British lad, such a great guy, such a genuine, sincere human mm-hmm. that he doesn't realize he is Will Ospreay. And those are the great moments when you can sit down with somebody who's literally, it, 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 no argument here from anyone, he's at least top five in the world at what he does, Oh yeah, maybe number one or number two. And in 2019, I would argue he was number one in the world at what he did. And he's just the most humble, sincere guy in the world. And then he went out the next night and had a banger of an incredible match with five other unbelievable talents. And it's moments like that. Like, yes, it, it, we're happy that the shows do well. We're happy we can donate money to the school. We're happy that we see great wrestling. But wrestling has also brought into my life so many incredible people who just happen to be mega stars in this sport. So all that to say, those are two moments that stand out to me, Mick Foley and Will Ospreay those are memories I will hold. if it all ends tomorrow, those are memories I will hold forever of my time in wrestling
0: that's fantastic that is fantastic. I know a couple of personalities like that that just don't know how the good they are that's it's yep. it's amazing to see
1: yeah and, and you know you always get the flip side of that too right there's some some guy from you know nowheresville, <laughs> whoever who wants four times what you're paying an actual star and has yeah. a lot of you know ideas about what his match should be. And then the flip side of that is Will Ospreay like, let's just go out there and have fun tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a Yeah.
0: Um let's talk about let, let's talk about the transition into the current uh uh quote COVID era. Um you know, uh, I, I've been one that's kind of been uh, against doing live shows through the summer. Um, uh, for a lot of the promotions I work with. Just uh, well, of course, our situation here in Pennsylvania is a little different than Chicago, just for the commission and everything, obviously. Um, but I remember seeing a tweet. In early mid uh, August, and saw this 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 over this this uh, the, 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 probably a drone shot I imagine of the football field and everybody spread out and a wrestling match happening. And I retweeted and said, "This is how you do wrestling right now in okay. independent wrestling." And very fortunate that I had the opportunity to <laughs> a month later come out with you guys. Can you talk about that transition to, you know, everything shutting down, where you guys were at to getting to the, that first stadium show?
1: Yeah, um, it was it's been weird. It's been weird for everybody. And, and we honestly did not think. So at first we thought, all right, the pan- this pandemic's happening. We're going to be out of commission March, April, May. We'll be back with a show in June. As we got to late April and you know, into May, it's like, all right, nope, no, this is much longer than anybody had any right to fear. We, then we thought, all right, we're not doing shows anymore not for the foreseeable future. So that's when we did a, a watch along on Twitch and we did a best of DVD and we mm-hmm. did some other things just to keep people, you know, we surveyed all of our fans about a lot of things. And then in late June, the governor of Illinois came out with their directions for outdoor seated spectator events. Mm-hmm. And I forgot how it got sent. Somebody sent it to me and I read it and I went... wait a second, this we can do. And actually my buddy, Eric had pitched a year before in in summer of 19, Eric had pitched the idea that we should do an event called Friday night lights outdoors on the football field and make it like a picnic and BYO and yada, yada, yada. And we didn't do it for scheduling and a variety of other reasons. Well, in late June of this year, we read the governor's thing and I called Eric and I said, you remember your idea from last year, read this. And we basically went, "We, we can do it. We can do exactly what the governor said will be safe with our idea. And it took some other, we had to figure out how we're going to space people. So that's where we came up with the idea for the orange cones. And the cones are all over the field and your party can sit at a cone. But we followed all of the governor's guidance to a T and we looked at each other and we went, we can do wrestling safely. And if we didn't believe we could do it safely, we never would have done it. And so the first one was Friday Night Lights on August 7th. And it went off without a hitch. And then we surveyed everybody afterwards. How safe did you feel, et cetera? And it was you know, one to five Likert scale. And it was you know, 99% on the five that people felt safe and that, that we had done it well. And that's when we sat down and went, all right, do we do this again? And knowing that it would have to be outside, we said, well, let's do it a handful. Let's do it three more times. And then the weather will change. And then we'll go into hibernation for the winter. And that's what we did that's what became the stadium series, and that's what became your creative touch on our production
0: <laughs> uh it was fantastic so and, and and you guys definitely went 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 all out with those last few shows obviously um and uh it was a lot of fun to do that so 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 you know and and, and looking forward like you know depending on where you are in spring i but well I guess even without you're kind of you're kind of sold on doing these uh stadium. Uh, uh, shows for the summers, at least in the, the ongoing future, Absolutely. right?
1: <laughs> we had a lot of people who said this is better than being indoors. Mm-hmm. Let's always do it and use indoors as a rain date. We've had other people who said post-COVID, you know, do a few during the year indoors and then have a big summer one outdoors. It'll be like our WrestleMania outdoors.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. What, what's your uh, What's your high point from the stadium series and Friday Night Lights so far?
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, um, there's a couple. Number one was Kylie and Tessa because uh, there's just so much that goes into the, the two of them as individuals and the, the fact that they got to have that match. So, so totally behind the curtains here, no, you know, no kayfabe, everything dead. Um, Those are two of the best humans I've ever met in my entire life. And honestly, watching Tessa's name get dragged through the mud for from a lot of people who jumped to conclusions and made assumptions and attacked without knowing the human being, Um having Tessa willing to to come out of, you know, not retirement, but to come out of hiatus and do the show. And um knowing what doing the show meant to her, I I won't spoil or share too much that's it's personal and individual, but knowing how much it meant to her to do be to be able to do a show Mm -hmm. and to be able to do our show and to have that match with Kylie, um, and knowing what that just meant to the two of them individually as humans. Um that was something really special for me. I put that up there, like I said before, with, with Foley and with, with Osprey as, if it all ends tomorrow, here are human moments that meant a lot to me. So so Kylie defeating Tessa would, would, would definitely be at least tied for number one. Um, I think the brawl, the, the no holds barred street fight between Robert Ego Anthony and Frank the Clown versus Joey Janella was magic. I think they laid out and executed an incredible professional wrestling match. And the, the, the final spot went off without a hitch in an unbelievable fashion uh, in a way that was uh, just truly memorable. So I, I would add that up there as well. Um, I would also say the... Evolution of the Rascals. You know, Trey Miguel winning the title at the end of the stadium series was not a foregone conclusion. In fact, everything was up in the air with that match, with Brian Cage's match having to Mm -hmm. do rework because Zayn was out, et cetera. And and when we put that match together with Pillman, Cage, and Trey, we put that match together that way because it could go any way. And we know we would be happy with any of the three ways that that match went. And when Trey won the belt, he had not told his girlfriend, Alicia, to – He had not told Zachary Wentz. In fact, he worked them, and they thought the finish was something different. So I was standing on the stage when it went down, and Zachary Wentz nearly jumped out of the bleachers, ran around the fence, came up to me on the stage, and he just said, can I go out there? I said, absolutely. And he just bolted to the ring, slid in, and just hugged Trey, the tightest hug I've ever seen. And that was pure emotion because Zach did not know the finish of that match. So just as I had shared before with Foley and, and Osprey, the tessa Kylie match and that main event and its finish um, were human moments that meant a lot to me in this series.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so tell me, we usually at the end with a little bit of a, a, a you know, there's ups and downs in indie wrestling, and this is probably mm-hmm. more for the wrestlers, but I'm sure you run into stuff uh, uh, on your side. What's the best and the worst thing about running an indie wrestling show?
1: Wow. Um, the best thing, I'll just echo what I've already said, it, it's its the people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, I think, by the way we try to run and by who has been drawn to our shows, we only really have great humans that we work with, and they all want to do a really good job because we all get along, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a date For, um, you know, it's not just a date on the books to take a a match for guys. Like guys want to have great matches. They want to do a good job. They look forward to being with us and we look forward to having them. So I think that camaraderie is the best part of indie wrestling when it's done well. And I've seen that done in other places too. Not to say by any means that we have a monopoly on that, Mm -hmm. but when that camaraderie is developed, that's the best thing. I think the worst thing, gosh, um, every now and then you have to run into some of the politics of indie wrestling and of um, the old, old carny way here and there from people. But I would say that that is very few and far between with us. And I think that's because of the people that we keep on our roster because of the way that we run our shows. So that's a pain in the butt when it happens, but 95 times out of hundred, it doesn't happen. And even enduring that is absolutely worth it for the moments like Tessa returning the moments like Trey getting squeezed by Zach, the moments like Janella pulling off the goalpost swanton, and then us talking to him in the back afterwards. And we're like, why did you jump from the edge? It's much more sturdy in the middle. And he goes, it's much more sturdy in the middle. I'm like, yes. So like those kind of things make it all worthwhile.
0: That's amazing. Uh, well, and if people want to see everything that's going on, of course, all those shows were out on fight TV uh, for the stadium series. And I know they just, I just got the email today, that they just <laughs> debuted on, on high spots as well. If you want to check those out.
1: Yep, as are all of our old shows. So if you're new to us, if you just saw the Joey Janela leap or just saw Tessa's return or just saw Cage and Carter, which is unbelievable, go back and watch all the old stuff, not only to to give us a watch, but also to see some great talents do their things. I mean, uh, Team White Wolf, A-Kid and Carlos Romo had a match with the Lucha Brothers that just tore the house down. Bandito and Brian Cage, SCU and OVE. There's some really great stuff in the deep catalog, so go watch it on high spots.
0: There you go. It's a lot of good stuff. Uh, um, nothing but good things going out there. It was a lot of fun, and 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 I'm always happy when there's a, a good, easy crew to work with, and very, you know, every, everybody helps with anything I needed to get the show off the ground on my end, uh, uh, on the stream and everything. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun to, to, to meet all the guys out there and to, and uh, and be a part of that. So, Mike,
1: thank you for for helping. Thank you for having me today. Um, it's great to get to know you as well and add you to that collection of great people in wrestling. And I'm sure we'll work, uh, work together again in
0: the future. Awesome. What's the website for you guys on social media? We're warriorwrestling.net
1: and social media is at Warrior Wrestling, but no vowels in wrestling. So W-R-S-T-L-N-G, that's Instagram and Twitter, and then Facebook, we're just Warrior Wrestling.
0: Awesome. Go check it out, guys. You won't be disappointed. Uh, check out Warrior Wrestling, and, of course, please go check out everything that we have going on over on our site as well at indie Wrestling indie Um And uh, until next time, wherever you're getting it, please support Indie Wrestling.